Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, your regular guide sharing tools and expertise to build a life full of positivity and possibility. Here's your host, Russell Thackeray. So, something a little different again today. Uh, last time I got the chance to talk to you one-on-one, um, we talked a little bit about highly sensitive people, highly sensitive persons. And this time I'd like to talk a bit more about stress which is sort of seen as one of the big curses of the modern world. And I think it's really important to get stress in perspective. And um, really what we're going to talk about today is what stress is, where it's good for you, and the issues when it goes wrong, and how to do something about it. So the first thing is, to understand stress, we have to understand a little bit about biochemistry. And the first thing to say is, in order for the brain to operate, it needs to have um, a number of opioids working as well as your nervous system and heart, so obviously. And one of the key things to get the body going is the production of adrenaline, or noradrenaline. And um, this gives you instant, instantaneous bursts of power and uh, gives you the energy to fund your body, to fund your muscles, to make your hormonal systems work and to get your brain active. And once your brain's active and sharper, then you can move more and become more productive. And uh, in order to sort of fund this burst of adrenaline, a second um, hormone kicks kicks in called cortisol. And cortisol is interesting because it's a steroid hormone. And the way the steroid hormone works is to really sharpen your brain, really opens up your blood vessels, really opens up the production of um, glucose into sugar. It really makes your um, blood capacity work harder in your lungs. It makes makes your blood work harder blood pumps faster through your system. And without adrenaline and cortisol, you'd lie in bed all day and do very little. In fact, actually, it could be argued that insufficient amounts of cortisol is the reason that some people have very, very little energy. It can be other things as well, but often people confuse depression with um, low cortisol levels. And in fact, one of the things that people, our doctors often recommend as soon as you are diagnosed as being depressed is to get some exercise because exercise in itself requires the use of energy and energy helps the brain to stimulate um, adrenaline and cortisol. So you can see where that would work for you. And and the issue here is that um, the appropriate amounts of adrenaline and cortisol are used up throughout the course of the day. But actually, if you have too much adrenaline cort- or an adrenaline cortisol produced relative to the need that you have, or that you are unable to get rid or flush away the cortisol at the end of the day. You'll have too much cortisol in your system. And so that's interesting, isn't it? So the body's reaction to cortisol is what we call stress. So when you have too much cortisol in your system, um, it creates blood pressure issues because, of course, your blood blood system is working too hard. It makes you feel really, really burned out because, of course, what's happening is your brain's working too hard. It makes you feel breathless sometimes because your lungs are working too hard. And it makes you feel tired all over because your whole body is overexerting. It's working too hard relative to the issue that's in hand. So the first thing to recognise is stress is a normal process which can work work to our advantage, but when it goes out of kilter, it becomes an issue. So the first thing is we've got to recognise that we can produce too much cortisol, and the second thing is we recognise that if we have too much left over, then what we have to do is figure out ways of dealing with it. Now, let's be clear, there are a number of different causes of um, cortisol production. Um, And the first thing is emotional. 
It's inside of you. So in order to stimulate the body's fight-or-flight responses, um, it needs cortisol. And so cortisol is produced when your emotions begin to run, particularly fear, because that would make sense, wouldn't it? Anger and anxiety. And anxiety being the fear of the unknown means that cortisol is being, is being produced, but actually there's very little outlet for it. There's nothing specific to work on to be able to reduce the cortisol. So if you produce cortisol because you're angry or frightened, what you can do is you either face your fears, tackle whatever it is that you have to tackle, or run away. So you begin to use up your, um, your cortisol. I did a presentation quite recently, recently and was running a little late and was quite nervous because it was something that meant a lot to me. And um, I got to the train station quite late and had to really, really get a move on and to sort of jog to where the presentation was taking place. And I jogged for a good five or six minutes. And when I arrived at the place the presentation was due, I was completely calm because I'd used the cortisol in my body through exercise by funding the body's need for energy so I could no longer be anxious or nervous because actually the cortisol had been used up. So then I was able to tackle my fear because I, I felt more comfortable overall. And this is the secret. The body's a very efficient way of getting rid of cortisol. But the trouble is our mind is a very efficient way of producing it. And so getting these two things into sync is the right thing. So there you are. There's the first, the first thing. Now, the biggest problem of our time is anxiety. And um, one of the things we've got to be good at is to build our mental toughness so we can begin to deal with our anxiety. Because our anxiety, with the fear of unknown, is the thing that forces us to produce cortisol without necessarily an obvious way to get rid of it. Uh, the second thing that can um, um, help um, produce cortisol, of course, is physical exertion. The need for physical exertion will generate more cortisol because that's what happens. If you're involved in a physical job, one of the ways you, you can actually fund more energy and fund more cortisol in your body is to make yourself angry. So actually you, you begin to get used to actually stimulating and using your body. The trouble with this approach is a lot, if you don't use it all up, then actually what you're doing is you're creating a situation in your body where you have, again, too much cortisol. And the third thing, of course, which generates um, issues is um, this idea of cognition. What we think um, generates the need for, for cortisol to help us fund our thinking, but also to help us fund our potentially emotional and behavioural responses to things. So we've got this brilliant system that allows us to constantly generate this stress hormone, in other words, cortisol which is completely normal and is there to help us fund energy, fund activity, to be able to, in emotional terms, fight or flight, or to actually do the thing that needs to be done. For example, face our fears. Now, one of the classic things that happens at work is that we have a lot of pressure applied to us. Now, um, it's one of those things that, in resilience terms, we argue a lot that pressure only becomes pressure when you decide it's pressure. And this is how our thoughts do not help us. So if someone's giving us a lot of work, someone can decide that that's pressure. And once you have pressure, then cortisol is produced. If you're a pessimist and you think that pressures are coming and you're not going to be able to deal with it and naturally you begin to give up and surrender, cortisol is produced to enable you to surrender. So there's this overwhelming thing that produces and that becomes created in the workplace. And overwhelm, if we turn it into pressure, creates cortisol. In other words, creates stress for ourselves. And so what we have to think about is actually overwhelm creates the need for pressure. So we need to think about how we deal with overwhelm. Now, the thing about being overwhelmed that normally is um, 
analysed by the use of a simple mnemonic. So it's volume, the amount of work you have to do, multiplied or added to the amount of time that you have, multiplied by the amount of quality that's required, and divided by the amount of control you have. So let's look at that neat in a bit of depth. So volume is literally, you know, basically if you have a lot to do, work to do, but you, you're only going to have to do it for a couple of days, then you can deal with it. If you have um, a lot of work to do, um, but and it can be done at quite a low quality standard, then you can deal with it. Um, if you have um, a lot of work to do, but you can stretch it out over a week, then you can deal with it. This little equation helps you really think about things. And so one of the things you think about is if you've got too much work, you have to phase that work. And you can all use all sorts of time management techniques like urgent and important and, um, or, you know, in the work setting, go and get your boss to prioritise what you do first. The second thing, of course, is how much time you have is important because this is where our brain optimization processes help us. It's often better to do big, difficult tasks at the beginning of the day. It saves us time because our brains are, are more fresh. Also the same after any sort of refreshment. The brains are fresher. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of people who get anxious at work and get stressed will spend a lot of time faffing about. They'll talk a lot and say, I'm really stressed, I'm really stressed, I've got so much work to do. In fact, I've followed people around who regularly talk about the fact that they're stressed because they've got so much work to do. And what they're mostly worrying about is this idea of control. They're worrying about the stuff they can't control and they're not spending any time doing the stuff they can. Um, I've worked in lots of organisations doing time emotion studies where this has been borne out so many times. So someone talking to themselves creates anxiety because the stress hormone's running, therefore you've got lots of energy, your brain's really active, and it turns into self-absorption self and then into anxiety, and then anxiety begins to fuel more and more cortisol. So you can see this as a self-defeating system as well as being really, really useful. So we have to figure out what we can and can't control within our workload to be able to deal with it. So we need to be able to order our lives so we can do the things that we have the most control over first. And we optimise our brains by doing those things earliest in the day so we can do them fastest. Not all jobs is, you know, not all jobs can work this way, but many jobs can. And it's one of the classic things that, I, you know, most people going to work with highly optimised brains have had a you know, relatively peaceful journey into work. They're feeling great. Everything's groovy in the garden. And it's all wonderful. And then the first thing you do is spend, you know, a couple of hours being wound up by petty emails. But that was the time they could have tackled the big report. Now, if they leave it till later in the day, you know, that report that's going to take an hour and a half later in the day would probably take 45 minutes. Now, the reason I know this is because I started doing this myself and really tackling some of the big issues earliest in the day when my brain is most optimised. And it's no inter and it's interesting because um, if you read the work of people like Brian Tracy, they've written books or he's written a book called Eat That Frog, which is exactly the same idea that you tackle the biggest, most complex problems earliest in the day. My colleague and I, Janet, we do a lot of recording and, and I do my most of my recordings earliest in the day because I'm freshest and um, I find it really helps. It's faster, I can do things in one take because I'm, my brain is optimised to work more smartly in the morning. When you get to the end of the day, you've had lots of decision fatigue and basically you can be all over the place. So this mnemonic can help us volume, how much we have to do so we can phase the order of that, how much time we need to do that. You know how how long we're going to how much we're going to use our optimized brains to help us, and the amount of control. Stop going on about what you can't do and start working out what you can. 
In one of our podcasts, guests uh, and another series talks about this uh, attention issue that we have, our attention opportunity, which is when we focus very hard on something, we can't see something else. So the way to defeat anxiety is to concentrate very hard in another area because that stops you being anxious. Now, the last thing we have to think about is this issue of quality. Now, in a work setting, how well we do something is really important. And it's been my constant experience at work that people don't always have an obvious quality standard. What they have is a, a way of doing something that's because it's accepted practice, or they do something because it's driven by a process. And often what happens is, because there's a lack of overt quality standards, people operate at their own levels of quality. Now, for some people who are sloppy and slapdash, they operate at a low level of quality, and so they can do more work at a lower standard. However, there are a lot of people in the work, often who have higher levels of anxiety, for example, and what they do is they operate at the need to have a perfect standard, which means they do less work because they're trying to do all of that work at a higher quality standard. And especially at work, it's one of the things to think about is you need to talk to your manager and say things like, what is good enough for this piece of work in terms of a quality standard? Because if you leave it to the perfectionist, they'll try and do it at a perfect standard, which means they'll either do it half of it, they'll not do any of it because they can't make it perfect, or it'll take them 20 times longer than everybody else because they've been trying to reach an unassailable um, sort of quality standard. And you can imagine a situation, can't you, where someone who finds it difficult to make decisions is trying to be a perfectionist, well, they do less work, which means they have more work building up around them, which means that actually they need more and more cortisol, which of course means they're more stressed. So this idea of having a thinking trap or a thinking area of perfectionism and need for over-personal control is, can be a bit of an issue. So if you've got too much cortisol in your system, what can you do about it? Well, the first thing if you're at work is get on and do your work. Get on and do the things you can control. It is a feature of people who are less stressed that they actually do what needs to be done now. They, don't, they stop talking about it, stop putting it off, they just start working. They'll start working on anything just to do work, just to knock stuff off their list, just to do one email at a time, just to answer one customer query at a time. It doesn't have to be the hardest, just start somewhere, start to do something. The next thing, of course, you can do is, I've talked about this already, you can get exercise. It's really important if you have cortisol and you're going home from work and you have still too much cortisol in your body, that you somehow get some exercise. And people who talk to me and say that they get a lot of exercise often say they feel less stress because actually they're exercising the cortisol out of the system. Another work could be things like yoga. You know, so that sort of exercise you know, can actually help your body as well because it works in two ways. It brings together both exercise and stretching and muscle use, so using the muscles to actually burn cortisol, but also brings in an element of another, another aspect we'll come to in a moment. Another stress reductor is something like laughter. Laughter is brilliant for getting stress, getting rid of stress, enjoyment, fun, watching films that make you laugh, real proper belly laughs, having good sociable times with people, really, really engaging with other people, helping other people, doing, doing stuff, of course, is the point. Because when you're doing things, you're burning up the cortisol. And, um, and what's important here is um, sometimes a friend of mine goes to football matches and yells and screams and jumps up and, towns and, jumps up and down and shouts and obscenities and goodness knows what else. And you often find the most demure people go to sporting matches and start yelling and screaming because it's, it's 
It's therapeutic, actually. It's burning up cortisol. So there's all these sorts of activities you can do to get you can get to get rid. And the, and the, the contrary view, of course, is the opposite, which is to learn to meditate, learn to grab a hold of your thoughts, so you can actually begin to de-stress by by meditating or, or mindful, becoming more mindful, so the stress can sort of leak away from your system. And this can be, um, you know, like a, something as simple as a, you know a comfy bath, or it can be something as simple as going to a spa, or it could be something as simple as just telling out to begin to, to become more mindful. Notice what's going on in the moment. Perhaps learn to really get a grip of your breathing, and to really be able to manage your breathing to manage your thoughts. You're not managing your breathing for the sake of it. You're doing the managing of the breathing to manage your thoughts. If you're lying in the bath having a nice bubble bath and you're sweating and panicking because actually you should have been doing some work, get out of the bath and do the work. So you need to figure out whether you distress better by being busy or you distress better by being empty, by doing less. Personally, I, I like to distress by doing stuff. And there's things like you know, baking or... DIY or my recently discovered passion of um, shopping and well that's always been a passion but also uh, housework has been a new thing I really enjoy housework it's been something that I particularly like so to summarize stress is normal stress is good for us until it goes out of kilter and the thing that drives it out of kilter most of all is how we think there are strategies to get rid of it and you need to find the one that works for you. But actually, every single thing to do with stress is simply, you know, in your gift to control as a human being. So hopefully that's been a bit, a bit useful, something to get you thinking, and, um, you know, something to empower you to get a grip of stress. If you want more information, please go on our website. And um, good resilience. Thanks for listening today. I hope we really got some value from that. I certainly enjoyed it myself. Remember, there's only other podcasts and with tools and techniques, different speakers and different resources available in this series of Resilience Unraveled, so please feel free to subscribe. Why not also drop across to Facebook and join our group, Resilience Unraveled, and join in the conversation. Also, if you wanted to whip over to iTunes and drop us a review, that would be fantastic. Thanks ever so much. You can get hold of us at qedod.com or at personalresilience.com where you can get hold of free ebooks, resources, some online courses and even some coaching. But whatever happens, I look forward for you joining us on the next edition of Resilience Unraveled.